Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. You know, I love to share exciting things like that, things that I love to do. So oftentimes you'll talk, hear me talking about El Salvador uh, or food. Those are kind of my two topics that I love to talk about. And in fact, many times I mentioned my favorite restaurant down the road here called Babo's, and, and I mentioned a few weeks ago, and, and someone texted me later Sunday afternoon and said, there's got to be like 15 people from C2 here at the restaurant. And so, uh, you know, every time I go there, I remind the owner how much business I bring, I'm bringing in and... Uh, <laughs> Hopefully that'll work out in my favor, but I, I just, I like that restaurant. I think if you think about your favorite restaurant, there's probably a couple things that you love about it. Uh, it's probably the food, right? Good food is key to any great restaurant experience. And the second thing is atmosphere. It's got to have a good atmosphere. It's got to be kind of a, uh, a good thing going there. And if you, if you only have one of those things, you're probably not going to go back and you're probably less likely to share that with somebody and say, hey, you should really try this out. Uh, and so that place for me, Babos, is one of those places that I get good food, I get uh, great service, I always have a good uh, atmosphere there. And so it equals a good experience. Food plus atmosphere equals great experience. And, and that's kind of why I like to share about that place. And I like to share about things that, that I have good experiences with. And as we conclude today our I Love My Church series, I kind of want to talk about th- what that means to share our experience as a church, as people of Christ in this community of Jesus' kingdom, sharing that with others. And how, how do we apply that to this series? I really think that if Jesus uh, has given you a new life uh, and, and you're living that as part of a community, this new community he's creating called the church, and uh, this life in this community, in his kingdom, is life as it was meant to be, right? Some of you are experiencing that, that, that thing that maybe before Christ you thought, man, this isn't what life's supposed to be about. And then you go through this life transformation, you, you, you give your life to Christ, you experience salvation and forgiveness, and you start to live life as it should be. It doesn't mean that all the problems go away, but suddenly there's hope and there's peace and there's purpose. And, and we concluded in our first uh, first installment, our first week, that if, if this is the community as it should be and, and life as it should be, then we want to share that because we need to lead the way as people of love, and that would be the defining thing that Jesus would talk about this new community would be our love for one another. And if that would set us apart, then we believe that people will experience the very things that God wants for all people, which includes salvation, forgiveness, healing, hope, purpose. And here's the question we have to consider this morning at the end of our series. How do people come to this new life with God? And how do people hear and discover? How do they experience, how do they have this experience with the kingdom of God? I think scripture gives us kind of a glimpse in Matthew chapter 5 where we'll start this morning. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 if you have your scriptures or your version app you can go ahead and turn that on. They'll also be on the screen for you to follow along. Matthew chapter 5, this is part of what is called in Scripture uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving this great teaching uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. 
You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, God entrusts us to create the kingdom experience for people around us. God entrusts us to create the kingdom experience for every person around us. When I say I love my church, it means I love my people. I love the experience that we create for people, especially on a Sunday morning, but not singularly. I love that as you go about your business, you create for people an experience with God in each of your encounters. And that's kind of what we want to talk about this morning, is how do we help people experience the kingdom of Jesus? You know, I've said this before, I'm not real interested in, in leading a group of largely bored adults on a Sunday morning. That was not my goal in becoming a pastor, or becoming a lead pastor, was to lead a group of largely bored adults on a Sunday morning. It was to be part of God's kingdom, imp- impacting people's lives and see life transformation. I, I read a blog this, this week that made this comment, Jesus is not a curator, but a commander. Jesus, and we sang about that in our first song this morning, Jesus is not a curator, but a commander. A curator, like somebody I, I think of, like a museum curator, taking care of artifacts, dead things. Jesus is not a curator. He, he's not in charge of making you look good while inside you're dead. But he's a commander of a living army. Advancing the kingdom of, his, uh, of the gospel is our charge. Being part of the army of the living God, bringing hope and healing and forgiveness to people. So this morning, we're talking about sharing, giving away what we have. That's kind of the definition. If you've been around kids, uh, sharing looks different uh, depending on your maturity level, right? So for a two-year-old, sharing means I see what you have, I come over, I take it, and if I don't get it, then I cry and throw a fit about it. Now, advance that a few years, maybe a five- or six-year-old, they kind of get the concept of sharing a, a little bit, but it, it mainly is when they see that you have something they want, they say, you need to share that with me. <laughs> they don't, they don't kind of get it. They, they see that there's this principle of sharing, but it kind of is still applied to, to what I want. Sharing means you have something. So you should share it with me, and I take it, and I enjoy it. But as you grow and mature, especially in the kingdom of Jesus, we understand sharing is giving of what we have, not expecting someone to give back. I love what Rick was talking about this morning about reciprocity. We certainly don't expect anything back as we give and share of our lives, but it is a principle of the kingdom that you can't get around, you can't avoid, and I believe you'll experience So the question for us this morning is, what do we have to share? In this life, as a Christian, as a person of faith in Jesus, what do you have to share? Is there a faith that makes a difference in your attitude and your actions toward others? Is there joy and peace and strength that that is found in nothing else but Jesus? Do you experience life that others aren't? And if not, why not? Are you living a life that makes God look valuable and thrilling? 
I like that word, thrilling. Is the way you serve God, are you finding serving God and following him thrilling? Do other people look at your life and say, man, I'm not a Christian, but man, that that looks like a thrilling life. Certainly it's not problem-free, but if life is not an adventure, is it life at all? And I think serving God can be the greatest adventure. It can be thrilling. So Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let's look at salt. Salt is good for taste, right? I mean, you sit down at a table, pass the salt, right? Some of you put salt on everything. Your cereal, your pizza. I mean, I don't get it. It's good for food. I'm getting cooking recipes. That's good. But it brings taste, right? That's what it's good for. It's flavoring. In other contexts, it's good for preservation. It's, it's good in the healing process as a healing agent. And so when Jesus makes this reference of being salt of the earth, he's speaking of the necessity of God's people on this planet. If we weren't necessary in the process of redemption of all mankind, once you were saved, Jesus would just take you away from the earth. But you're a valuable part of the process of the redemption of all mankind. We are his agents to bring taste and flavor to this world, to bring healing and restoration. This morning, uh, I went out to find that, indeed, the weatherman lied to me again and the snow did come. And so I had to shovel my driveway and I got out salt Right? I began to sprinkle it on my driveway. It was going to provide traction. It was going to melt away that which was frozen. Do you see the effective, effectiveness of Christians as salt of the earth to melt away the frozenness of the hearts of humanity? And he speaks about those who follow after him being light, creating an atmosphere where people can see Jesus. Light is useful. You shine it in proper places, it illuminates things. It eliminates darkness. It, it's not the other way around. Darkness does not eliminate light. And so he gives us these two things, salt, which brings taste, and light, which brings atmosphere. And this is the experience of the kingdom of God as we live out our lives in front of and with people. It brings the experience of Jesus' kingdom to our world. What would happen in our community if we, if we love one another as the church, if we share in community through life groups as Jason talked about several weeks ago and as we launched life groups this morning? What if we were to share and are part of the community at large? Not just saying I love the church, but, but living it. Ed Stetzer, a pastor and a sociologist, Uh, on the West Coast, says it this way, and I like how he puts it. As the sent church of God, we must love the people who live on this earth with the love of Christ, expressed in words and deeds, while hating the broken and sinful systems of the world that war against the kingdom of God. This becomes an important distinction in regards to contextualization. Contextualization reminds us that we genuinely need to be in the world while not being of the world. I express it as being biblically faithful, culturally relevant, and counterculture communities for the kingdom. Or for this conversation, he says, we are biblically faithful, meaning we're driven by scripture. We're culturally relevant, living in and among the world with people 
in cultures. We're countercultural communities, not being of the world's systems, values, or morality for the kingdom of Jesus. Jonathan Edwards, a great 20th century preacher, said it this way. Fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, or children, or the company of earthly friends are but shadows. But the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. These are but drops, but God is the ocean. If our lives be not a journey towards heaven, they will be a journey to hell. I think about living our lives as salt and light means we have an anchor beyond this world. And so we interpret life's experiences and we interact with the people of this world and the situations we encounter and the cultures that we encounter differently because we're living for something beyond this world, beyond the senses of this world. We're anchored, as the book of Hebrews says, beyond. And we're not shaken by what we encounter So we must ask ourselves, how is the hope of heaven influencing the way we love one another, the way we raise our kids, the way we spend our money, and the way we focus our time? Certainly we must live in this world, but we must must not live as people of this world, valuing and operating on the same agenda. Nor are we to disdain the people who live of this world. Our efforts are to be focused on loving people within the cultures that we live. Even though we live in the reality of Jesus' kingdom, let us not be so disconnected to the reality of those far from Christ. We don't want others to experience the reality of which we've experienced in Jesus' kingdom. And I think this morning as we come together, there are three things I think that will help us do that. First, we need to help people experience Jesus, and we do this when we live the values of Jesus, when we live his kingdom values. Uh, when he speaks of being salt and light in Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16, it actually needs to be in context of the beginning of that chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 12, as he's giving uh, the Sermon on the Mount, this little piece here is called the Beatitudes, and he's talking about how spirit-filled, uh, Christ-following believers, what their life would look like, how they would act. It's sort of a character description of the people of his kingdom. He says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed for those who are less spiritual than me. Blessed, not blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted. He's describing a completely different operating system than the one of our our world. And I won't make any comments about Mac versus PC. (laughs) Just two completely different ways of operating. Oftentimes you'll find in the teachings of Jesus throughout the Gospels that he's describing a kingdom that's operates different than the kingdom of this world. May we be people of that, that live the values of Jesus, that this is the kingdom life that God puts in us and that we begin to demonstrate it. It's not of our own effort, our own work, but it's the spirit of God operating in and through us. This, I believe, is somebody who says, I love my church and operates in this manner. Being salt and light is the message we declare with both our actions and our reactions our attitudes and everything in between. We can't separate 
Matthew 5, 13 through 16 from Matthew 2, through 5, 2 through 12. We can't separate those two portions of that scripture. And neither can we separate the message that we proclaim from the lifestyle we live. The second thing is we live the values of Jesus' community in our daily, ordinary life. It's not reserved for somebody who's special, who's, who has the name uh, pastor in front of their name. It's not reserved for Sunday mornings or special events. It happens in our daily, ordinary life. You know, the sad fact is that too much salt can ruin something. If you ever ever made cookies, I, I know there are times where I've left salt out, and it, it doesn't make a bad cookie. It, it just it's kind of tasteless. The only thing you can do at that point is just pick out the chocolate chips, <laughs> right? I mean, I've had I've made cookies like that. I, I forget the salt, and I'm just kind of like, man, something's missing. It's bland. It's tasteless. But I've also done the opposite. I've added too much salt, and you know. TSP in cooking is different than TBSP. Yeah, okay, so when they say add that, so I added a tablespoon of salt. Yeah, they're just nasty. Just throw it out and start again. Too much salt at one time is not good, and I think sometimes in our efforts and our zeal and passion of Sometimes it's this idea of I have to be right and, and I got to push people to see it my way and think how I think. We oversalt things and it just pushes people away. It gives them a bad taste. Same thing with light. Light is helpful, but it can also be blinding. And oftentimes in our conversations, we're not having conversations. We're, we're arguing. We're trying to argue people to see what we've experienced. The best way I've found to Help people see what I've experienced is just to live life and share my life with them. Jesus lived love. He spoke truth, but in context of relationship. How he acted uh, was not separated from what he spoke. He incarnated the words that he spoke. Just because you're correct doesn't mean you're right. Do you get what I'm saying? Sometimes I'm tempted to think, oh, I, I know Jesus and I got the answer and I, I firmly believe that. But if, if I'm fighting to be right, I've lost the fight. I'm supposed to love people. And trying to win people by arguing them into the kingdom is not effective. And truth and love doesn't mean pushing your worldview down on someone else. You know, give, give, getting them to submit to you. It really means to love them, not pushing them away. I like how Hebrews, the Hebrews writer in chapter 13, verses 14 through 16 says it. For we, here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Again, this, this idea that we live for something beyond this world. Through Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. How are you living this daily? How different is your life and the values that you live out? This, is, this of all days, is a great uh, snapshot of our culture. Super Bowl Sunday. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, by the way, everybody. Uh, it, this morning when I got dressed, I asked myself, will, uh, do I have any chance of having a wardrobe malfunction? 
Some of you got that. Okay. But today is a great window into our culture. If you watch the game, you watch the commercials, and maybe you'll watch the halftime show. It's a great glimpse into the values of our culture. And there are times... Thank you. I'm just funny when... I'm not even trying. That's awesome. But we get this glimpse of, of our culture as you watch the commercials and, and watch the halftime show. Do you find yourself longing for those things and letting that inform how you live your life? Are, are you more excited about the halftime show and are you more thrilled about that than you are about the Word of God and, and living a life that's pleasing to Him? I mean, Katy Perry's probably going to put on a great show. But are you living for that? Is that, is that what's going to bring you happiness today? I think we do well to ask ourselves questions like that. How are we living our life and our values? Because the systems of our culture are sinful and broken. And when Jesus calls us to live differently, to be salt and light, he's not calling us to be weird. Somehow Christians think being weird means that they're being different. No, you're just being weird, (laughs) you know? And and your Christian teacher doesn't make up for it, okay? Okay. Being different means people see your life. Your life is pointing them toward something else. This is what Jesus is saying, that they see your good deeds and they glorify your Father in heaven. It's more than being weird and it's more than just being good because certainly there are good people in this world who are far from Christ. So there's something different about the good deeds that you perform that it lines up with the whole of your life and it points people toward your heavenly Father. It's not just good deeds, but you can't get away from the good deeds. You should be the best neighbor. You should be the best coworker. People should love hanging out with you. You speak life and hope to people. I was, I was really challenged by, by Jason's message the other day. We were talking about those of us who drive into our driveway, we pull into our garage, we shut the door, we walk into our house, and we never get to know the people in proximity of our house. I'm going to throw a block party. And if you don't live in my block, you can't come. I'm sorry. (laughs) The third thing, final thing, is those who have truly experienced Jesus will help others experience Jesus. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. This is what Jesus is saying. Let your light shine. How do others experience Jesus in your life? What is it that's pointing them to Christ? Be that great neighbor. Be that great coworker that speaks life and people love to be around. Hold hold the most awesome Super Bowl party ever and point people to Jesus. Be involved in your community. Get, Get involved in a life group. Invite people to your life group that don't attend our church. Ask yourself, where am I involved in my community? Beyond just our church. Our church is involved in so many great things in our community. The, the food bank, uh, Love Inc., the Freedom Walks. Be, be part of these things. But in your own life, where do you find yourself having the most, uh, where do you spend the most time? If you're a, a parent, perhaps you're, you're going to games and you're constantly seeing the same people over and over again. Build bridges to them. Build relationships and shine your light in those relationships. Do you go to the, the same social places, the dog park or uh, what have you? Where are you finding that you spend that time? Be a light there. Serve others. I think one of the greatest ways to help people experience Jesus is to share your story. 
We've, we've showed some of the videos. We're going to show one here in a second. But I'm rem- reminded of sharing our story. First Peter chapter 3 simply says it this way. In your heart, reveal Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear, clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. This is how we should live our lives, always being ready to give an account for the hope that you have. Why do you love your church? You know, we've got these, we've got these little uh, clings, window clings for your car or for your, uh, your office uh, window if you have one. And you just peel it off and you stick it on, on the inside of your car window. We really think that you should love your church. How many of you love your church? Okay. Some of you are just like, oh, I'm fond of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this says, I love my church, and it has uh, c2church.com, Christian Chapel. Uh, and so you stick this on the inside of your car, and we discovered that it, it doesn't show up on many of the windows, so you have to stick it on and then put the white backing back on it, and it'll actually cling there, and then you can see it better on the window. So if you really love your church, you'll do that. If, uh, if you don't really love it, just kind of like it, you'll stick it like that. So, uh, and that's okay, We're, however you want to do that. I hope you love your church. I hope you love the people of your church, because that, that's what the church really is, is the people. And I I want people to experience what we've experienced. And I hope you want people to experience what you've experienced in Jesus within the uh, context of this community called the church. And I think that's a powerful way to introduce people to Jesus is inviting them to church, to sharing your story, your experience of being part of the body of Christ. Stories are powerful. I want you to share your story of why you love your church, why... Why did, you, why did you fall in love with Jesus? How did he change your life? It's all about the life change. And I love to see what God's doing in your life. I've been praying with Sean. They discovered <clears throat> two weeks ago that the cancer is back. And uh, we're praying for you. And, uh, and I've got on my calendar, I'll be at the hospital with you the morning of your surgery. <clears throat> you shouldn't have to do life alone. That's what being part of the body of Christ is all about life groups and all those things invite people into your life into relationship to the church you love we got these window clings all over out there you can grab one I hope it's more than just a phrase to you you know people pray for you in the bathroom I mean that's I love that you share that it's a little scary but it's okay (laughs) man I got so many jokes running through my head right now about to explode. I love my church, and, and you know what is ex- what's exciting to me is, is I see opportunities to multiply what we're doing. I, I see what God is doing in your life. I see how you're reaching out. You're serving not only here in the context of our, of our church life, but you're serving your community. You're living effective Christian lives as you walk through life with others. And what I'm excited about is I feel like God is calling us to be like the New Testament church, to begin to multiply what we're doing from this single location to multiple locations around mid-Missouri and around the world. It's called church planting. It's not a fad. It's something that's been around since the inception of the church in the book of Acts. You can read that. But I feel like I shared this with with our our volunteers on team night. I think that's where God is leading us to is to multiply what is happening here, what you've experienced here, and take it out to the communities surrounding us. You know, on average, just in Colombia alone, a city of just over 100,000 people, 
on average, on a Sunday morning, 85,000 people will not attend any church. That, that causes me to mourn and be sad, that they're not connected. They're not living a life connected, certainly not in community, but most likely not connected to Christ. And we want to do what we do here effectively, but we, we want to reach beyond this community of Columbia into the surrounding communities and, and even planting churches worldwide. It's a, it's a scary thing to even talk about, but I believe that's where God is leading us. It's what he's calling us to do so that others can experience the love found in Jesus that we've experienced. And this morning, just before Pastor Jason comes up, closes us out, I, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to give those of you in this place this morning who've never made that commitment of your life to Christ to experience the newness of life. We've talked about salvation and forgiveness through his death and his, his resurrection. This is your moment. This is your eternal holy moment with him. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to say a prayer with you. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you. But if that's you and you want to begin that new relationship with Christ, entering into community with those of us who've made that decision in our life previously, would you simply raise your hand this morning? I want to say a prayer with you. We could do that now. You want it all. You can stick it up and raise, raise it up and put it right back down. In church this morning, would you join me in praying? I didn't see anyone raise their hand. Would you join with me in prayer that as we continue our mission and continue doing what God has called us to do, that this place would be filled with people who do raise their hands next week, the following week. Let's pray that God continues to use us. Father, we are your vessels. We pray that your spirit, you would baptize with us with your Holy Spirit's power to be effective in our own lives, to bringing people into the kingdom of heaven. Would you cause the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts to be pleasing to you and cause our, our lives to be salt and light to the world around us. Give us wisdom as we walk in a world that can at times deceive and confuse us. Help us to dwell on your word, the Bible, to live our lives in such a way that it causes others to be pointed to you. That's our prayer today. Use us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we are so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information about a deeper relationship with Christ, we would love to hear from you. Simply email nextsteps at c2church.com. 